0: Hey, welcome again this morning. As we continue to look different, um, I continue to look a lot different because, yeah, I've not bought into that whole thing of getting my hair cut yet. So that would be why I look like a Chia Pet. Um, I don't know if many of you know what a Chia Pet is, but if you're my age, you know what a Chia Pet is. And that's why my hair kind of grows this way right now. Um, and the longer it gets, the grayer it gets. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. But. You know, we're learning a lot of things about ourselves um, in this time with, with our family, and, and as we're, we're getting to evaluate our children as parents. And if you notice when you watch your child, you will see all the positive things they do, but then on the other hand, you see all the negative things they do. Well, my, my youngest is four years old and, and her name is Deacon. And what I'm beginning to notice about Deacon is, is she's starting to develop even more so a temper than she had before. Um, she's picked up on this new thing now. What she does is if she doesn't get her way or if she doesn't, if we don't act on it when she demands or commands something, she's got this little growl that she does. And it's just this little, Ugh! And if we ignore her, you would think it would go away. But that's not the case at all. It gets louder. Ugh. And it gets amplified and it becomes more aggressive. And so, you know, as a father, I look around and I observe what my four year old's doing and I'm going, yep, I know where she gets that trait from. That's definitely her mom. Definitely her mom, because it's something negative. Therefore, that has to be where it comes from. So Chelsea, that has to be from you is the reason that she's growling, the reason that she's stomping her foot. Well, um, some of you are probably already know where I'm going with this. Um, we were very excited last Monday night when we did our first pray for night. Um, We we went live on Facebook at seven o'clock and we were overwhelmed with the response as we got an opportunity to pray over the names that were administrators, school teachers, lunchroom staff, bus drivers, all of the roles in education. And so we were going live on Facebook. And, and as you know, if we're going live, there is no editing. There is nothing that we can crop and take out however I wish there was. Um, because we were live on Facebook and man, we had just had a spiritual moment, had been begging God to do some amazing things in the life of our education world. And, and so I, I, I was wrapping us up in prayer. I was closing us out. And so I, I finished praying and my wife said later, that sounded so spiritual for just a moment. Um, And then I said, amen. And I looked back at my computer screen and I noticed in the bottom left corner where the live feed and what it looks like was supposed to be. And when I looked up, the screen was black and it said, there is a problem with your camera and there is a problem with your microphone. And so I went into panic mode. I was like, oh, great. I just had this spiritual moment and we just lost everything. And so I, my wife said I began to smack on my gum a little harder. And so I went over on my, my, my computer and I started to type a note into the comments. And then at the very tail end of that live stream, you hear my phone ring. And when I heard my phone ring, all of a sudden, guess what I did? <sighs> yep, I growled. I growled. And so we saw exactly where Deacon is getting her temper from. And Chelsea right now is probably giving the loudest amen that she's probably ever given in her life because I have admitted that the temper from my daughter comes from me. Um, So, But I would encourage you um, on, on another note. Make sure that you go live on Facebook with us tomorrow night. We'll be um, stepping back into our Pray For. Um, we're gonna be talking tomorrow night and praying for all of our medical professionals. Um, so we've been, we've been overwhelmed with the amount of pictures and names that have been posted on Facebook. I know as of Friday, we were already over 70 um, faces and names of where people have sent in wanting us to specifically pray for those in the medical profession. So hopefully we'll see you tomorrow night at seven o'clock. We'll only keep you about 15 minutes. So it's not a very long, drawn-out thing, but we're excited um, about what God is doing through our Pray For ministry. I'm also excited about what we're gonna be sharing today. Not not that I've got some great message, but what I get excited about is when God meets us right where we're at. And I've been over overly excited over the last month, uh, month and a half of, it's just like every time we open the word of God, God meets us right where we're at in this season. And and when I looked into First Corinthians chapter four this week, um, why was I shocked that God did it again? And so this week we're gonna be in First Corinthians chapter four. And I was blown away when I began to read and to study and, and to see what it is that Paul is wanting us to take from this passage. We're not gonna be reading a lot of verses today. We've narrowed this down to one, Okay, We don't get past verse 1. So that's where we're going to be this morning is just simply in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. But what we've noticed that in chapter 1, 2, and 3, Paul is addressing division in the church. He's talking to the church at Corinth. They have begin to rally around Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, and they begin to, to divide the church as a whole. And so he's warning against that division. He's telling the church, this is what a world should not see from the church. But what I love about chapter four is he begins telling us the opposite. He's saying now that this is what the world should be seeing from the church. And so follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse one, as we begin to look at what the world should see from the church. Chapter four, verse one. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Before we really dive into the, to the meaning of what Paul's addressing here, we've gotta break down that very first phrase where it says, let a man regard us, okay? When he says, let a man, what he's meaning by a man who is a man is any human being, believer, believer, not believer, the whole world as an entirety. So that's who a man is, that's who he's talking about, a man or woman, any person that occupies space on the planet. But he says, let a man regard. Now, when we look at the word regard here, what we understand about the word regard is, I was just thinking it was just something like we observe or we just watch. But what we realize realized is when we look into the depths of what the, the translation of regard is here, it's much, it's much deeper than that. Because what regard means, a lot of times this, in the, in the original language, it was used as a math term, meaning that they would calculate, meaning that they would take all of these variables and add them all together. And when all of these things were added together, it should equal this. And so what that lets us know is that a man is going to be calculating. A man is going to be observing very, very closely. And they're gonna be asking, okay, does that equal this? But he says, let a man regard us. Well, who is us? Paul is talking here. He's, he's mentioning Paul he, himself. He's mentioning an Apollos. He's mentioning Cephas. But what he means by the word us Is all followers of Christ, all apostles of Jesus Christ. And when I use that word apostle, you're like, okay, that's just, that's too spiritual. That's not really meant for me. But what you got to understand is what an apostle is, is a sent believer, meaning that you are saved, you've been sent. And so there's no one that falls through the cracks in this. And so he says here, let a man regard us. So I'm gonna sort of paraphrase that in Brian's language to help you better understand it, or maybe I'm the one that needs to better understand it. But if we're just gonna paraphrase that phrase that we just broke down, here's what it would would sound something like. When the world is watching us as followers of Christ, there should be enough evidence to prove that we are guilty of being a Christian. Let me read it one more time. That when the world is watching us as followers of Christ, there should be enough evidence to prove that we are guilty of being Christians. And so before we really go any further this morning, we could honestly stop right there and ask God to examine our hearts and we could examine our own life to answer that question and we could honestly probably give an invitation and a time for all of us to repent because I know when I looked into that, I became very convicted because there's areas of my life that would not be used to prove me being a follower of Christ. And so before we go any further, I want you to start out by asking yourself that one simple question. Ask yourself this, if I were being convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to deem me guilty? If I were being convicted of being a follower of Christ, is there enough evidence to deem me guilty? And so what I love about Paul is he's just kind of in your face and he doesn't leave anything open-ended. So he, he starts out by saying, hey, let a man regard us Let them closely examine us, let them calculate us, but here's what they should see when they're doing this. Here's what a lost world should see from the church when they are watching our actions, when they're watching who we are and what we're doing. And he uses two words. He uses two words that is evidence of us being followers of Christ, and they are servants and stewards. The two words that Paul is going to use that should be evidence in all of our lives as followers of Christ are servants and stewards. Now, we're gonna break these, these two words down just to help us better understand. And what I love, man, is there is so much meat in this word servant. You see, it comes from the Greek word huperates. And so what we see in that is in that literal translation of what a servant is, it would be defined in this context as an under rower. Now you may be wondering, well, what in the world is an under rower? You see, as a servant of Christ, we are all under rowers. And what an under rower is, is a person that would enter onto a ship and their job is to get the ship where it's going. But you see their job and their role in that is to be in the underneath part of the ship where they are given a paddle, or they're given an oar. And what their job is, is to paddle when the captain gives them instructions and to rest when the captain gives them instructions. So their job is to take their paddle, to take their oar, to get in the bottom part of the ship and take the commandments from the captain of the ship. When he says paddle, you paddle. When he says rest, you rest. And so if we were to take that word servant, what we can take from that is a servant of Jesus Christ. Here's our role. We should be living under the authority of God Almighty. We should be living under the authority and surrendering to and committed to all of the teachings and all of the commandments from God. Now, look, I know that may stretch some of you and you're probably sitting in your living room or kitchen or bedroom, wherever right now and you're going, Brian, so you're telling me that in order for me to be committed as a follower of Christ, that I've got to be committed to all of God's teachings and all of God's instructions? Is that what this is saying? Yep, that's what it's saying. It is saying that as a servant of Christ, we should be surrendered to the authority of God's law, to God's instructions, to God's direction. But here's why. Here's why. And here's, here's the victory in this. That sounds like just some hard statement that, man, we've just got to follow all the rules as a follower. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. But I want you to understand there's, there's truth as to why we do that. You see, we're the under rowers. We are on the underneath part of the ship. But as we enter that boat, what you have to understand is the captain is above deck. The captain is seeing where we are going. The captain is seeing everything that's in front of us. And the reason he's commanding us the way that to paddle or to rest is so that we can maneuver through all of the hazards that are in front of us. And so what we want you to understand is that when we hear the voice of the captain, There's victory in that. there's, There's comfort in that because he is steering us around the obstacles of life that are leading us to disaster. And so we get to trust the captain who is above. We get to trust the captain who knows where we are going, who knows where he's trying to get his ship. But our job as followers of Christ is to submit to that leadership, to submit to that authority So that's the number one question is, does the world see us as followers of Christ surrender to the authority of the captain, surrender to the authority of God? So then we look at the word steward. I love this word as well, and there's so much in it. But in the context of what Paul is talking about, what a steward was was someone who managed the household for a owner. Now, notice he managed the household for the owner. He didn't own anything, but all he was called to do was to oversee it. And so the, what, the, what the steward's job was is, is he would give people things in the home as they needed it, whether it was food, whether it was clothing, clothing, whether it was taking care of this or taking care of that. But what we gotta understand is that steward didn't own the food, that steward doesn't own the clothing. That steward doesn't own the house. But what it is telling us is the owner trusts the steward. The owner is giving the steward what he needs to provide for that household, to protect that household, and to serve that household. So everything that the, that the steward possesses belongs to the owner. Everything that is the steward's belongs to the to the owner. So very much like the servant or the under rower, you see when that when that under rower enters the ship, they're giving a paddle or they're given an oar. But what you gotta understand is that paddle doesn't belong to them. That paddle belongs to the captain. That, ca- that, 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 that oar, that paddle, it belongs to the one who gave it to the under rower. But you see the under rower is given a paddle by the captain because the captain's expecting the under rower to use it. And so believer today, here's what I want you to think about. God has given each of you a paddle. God has given each of you an oar. But here's what we do know, all of those paddles, all of the oars or all of the equipment that he's given us, it all looks different for each of us. But what God has given you, he's given it to you and trusting you will use it to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the ship through the ocean in the direction that the captain is wanting to take it. So I want you to ask yourself that. What has God given you that he's expecting you to steward? What talent has he given you? What platform has he given you? What skill has he given you? What possession has he given you? Or here's another one, what what story has God given you? You know, maybe you've walked through some difficult seasons of your life. I want you to know that God gave you that story so that you can use it to advance his kingdom. Because there's a coming a time where you are gonna have the opportunity to share your story with somebody else who's walking through the very same thing that you have walked through. But have you surrendered that to God? Have you surrendered that to him? Because God has called you to use everything that he's given you, your paddle, if you would, to advance his kingdom, to bring him glory. And that's the only reason you have what you have. The only reason that God has given you what you have is so that you can advance his kingdom. Now look, when we begin to examine what we have, or better yet, look, we're just fleshly enough that instead of examining what we have, we can very quickly examine what others don't have. And so we can become prideful in what we do have, thinking that we've done something to earn it or we think that God loves us more. But here, Paul warns us of that in verse seven. So I want you to look at verse seven very quickly. He says, for who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And he's saying, look, everything you have, the owner gave it to you. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So Paul's warning us of that very thing. So don't get prideful of what God has given you. Don't get prideful when your paddle looks different than the rower beside you. Don't get prideful, because what you gotta understand is what you have is what God's given you because he's the owner. He is the owner. You were just called to steward what God has given you. So while it's easy to get prideful, what you gotta understand though is that God gave you your paddle so that you would use it to bring people to salvation. So what talent has he given you? What possession has he given you? What skill or what story or what platform, what platform has God given you? Now, as we said just a moment ago, what you first got to settle in your heart is that it's gonna look different for all of us. It's going to look different for all of us, but the responsibility is the same. While all of our talents, while all of our skills, while all of our possessions, while all of our platforms are going to look different, the responsibility remains the same. And he says that in verse two. Verse two, he says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Some of your Bibles may say faithful there. So no matter what your paddle looks like today, no matter what God has given you, our responsibility is all the same is that we are to be faithful in using it for the advancement of God's kingdom. For the advancement of God's kingdom. So what the world should be seeing from us as followers of Christ, for us as believers, is they should be seeing us be faithful servants who are stewarding what God has given us. Even in the sense, in the, in the midst of COVID-19, what has God given you that he's wanting you to use to advance his kingdom? What talent, what platform, what possession, what story? And so is the world, are they seeing servants? Are they seeing stewardship? And are they seeing us be faithful? Now, this morning, I just want to—I'm not going to say end because I don't want you to check out. But as we begin to wrap this thing up, um, I just want to have a conversation with you this morning. Just a just a candid, casual conversation. Because as a steward and as a servant, you see our role is to simply please the captain of the ship. To simply please the master, and the way that we do that is we listen to his instruction. We listen to his order, we listen to his commandment, we listen to his direction. But you see, we're all servants with different paddles, if you would. So as God instructs us how to use those, it's not always gonna be the same for the person to your right and the person to your left. And when we are individuals listening to the voice of God, not all the servants are going to agree with what we're doing. And so we we as fleshly people, if you're anything like me, you like to, to please everybody, but when we're being obedient, you're never gonna please everybody. And that's what we love about Paul is Paul didn't care. Paul could care less what you think about him. He was gonna listen to the voice of God and he was going to follow that no matter who liked him or who didn't like him. And so in verse 16, he even says that, you don't have to read it, but he says, imitate me. And I believe that this is partly what Paul is talking about. He says, I want you to to not care as much as I don't care. I want you to listen to the voice of God. But as a servant of Christ, as a steward of Christ, When we listen to the voice of God and we follow those commandments and those instructions and what God is speaking individually to each of us, not everybody's always gonna like it. But our job as followers, as servants and stewards, is to simply remain faithful in listening to that voice. And when that voice speaks, we as his servants do it. Now, Here's what I wanna talk to you about. You know, in light of some of the things that have taken place specifically in our state this week, the next few weeks is going to be, the next few weeks, the the upcoming month, the upcoming two months is gonna be a very, very difficult season for pastors and staff of churches. Now look, to this morning, is, it, this. I'm not saying today so that you, you have a pity party for me or for our staff or our leadership team here. I am talking to the Big C Church right now. This has nothing to do with Chestnut Mountain Church. But over the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months, pastors all across this country, leadership teams all across this state have got some major decisions to make. And we'll just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room because some of you probably tuned in this morning thinking that we were gonna give the game plan as to how we're gonna begin to open up the doors of the church again. I wish I could tell you what the date is, but look, I don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Wish I did, but I don't have a clue. And neither do a lot of other pastors and a lot of other leadership teams. So hear me when I say that. This morning is not about me. But all across this state, all across this country, the leadership of our churches are having to carry the paddle that God has given them. But you see what we've gotta begin to do is we've gotta crawl up in our Father's lap and begin to ask God, God, what does the upcoming weeks look like? God, what does the upcoming months look like and in all of our ways we've got to acknowledge him and cling to the promise that when we acknowledge him he will direct our path it doesn't say that he might or there's a slim chance but it says that he will and as leadership of churches as as pastors as staff as elders as deacons As we begin to seek God's direction, here's what I want you to hear when I say this, not all answers are gonna be the same for every church. Not all answers are gonna be that there's not a cookie cutter cutter model for this. This is not something that we took in seminary. This is not something that we've taken in our education journey. But you see, as God reveals the answers, the ones carrying that paddle have to submit to that authority and that direction that God gives. And so as things were unveiled this week as to how our state was gonna look different, I'll just be completely transparent and say that I laid awake a couple of nights with concerns. Because what I wanna challenge you as the big C church, nothing to do with this local assembly, the big C church, My concern is this, I don't want us as followers of Christ, as servants of Christ, as stewards of Christ to rally around specific leaders in specific locations based off the decisions that they make in the upcoming months. Because if we're not careful, guess what we're gonna go right back to? We're gonna be just like Corinth. And what we're gonna have done is we're gonna bring division in the churches and we're gonna lift up this pastor or we're gonna lift up this church based off the decision that they are making. But here's the truth of the matter. The decision that they are making is not theirs to make. They are seeking God's direction. And when God speaks, their job is to surrender to that. Their job is to surrender to that direction. So as these decisions begin to roll out in the next upcoming weeks. You may think, well, man, this guy's just all up in my business this morning. Well, I guess it's just what I'm called to do. But as churches, as staffs, as pastors begin to make decisions, here's what I wanna encourage you to shy away from. Don't go to social media and bash churches and pastors for the decisions that they're making. And on the flip side of that, don't put them on a pedestal either. Don't lift them up and say, man, I'm so thankful that my pastor's more bold than yours, or this this pastor over here is weak. Because what we gotta understand is that every congregation looks different. Building sizes are different. Demographics are different. Locations are different. And that's why every answer is going to be different. But what I wanna encourage you as a church to do is rally around the leadership of where God has called you. Rally around where God has called you. Look, there's not a pastor, there's not a leader that doesn't wanna be here more than you. We want to be here. Everything in us, you you don't understand how hard it is to get up and come here in the morning knowing that you're not gonna be here. And just to be transparent, our our worship team released a song this week. And if you've not looked at this, it's not a plug, but it will bless you. And the name of the song is The Blessing. But I remember when I first watched it this week, I I sat and I watched it with, with tears rolling down my face, not because it was some emotional song, but because I, as your pastor, I miss you. So if it were up to me, we would have had a cutting ribbon ceremony this morning and we would have all been packed in here, but that's not the case. The voice of God has not given us that direction yet. And until then, we've gotta seek his face. But in the meantime, whoever you are, if you're a member of Chestnut Mountain Church or if you're not, remember the local church that God has called you to and be faithful to that. Be faithful to that pastor, be faithful to that location. And guess what? The decisions that they make, you might not agree with them, but that's okay. That is okay. Because you see, as a, as a pastor or a leader, what I want you to hear is the paddle that, that we've been given, it looks no different than yours. Yes, I'm sorry, it does look different, but it is no greater than yours. Because the truth is, is as servants of Christ, if you notice that when we were talking about a servant, we're all under rowers. We are all in the underneath part of the ship taking the commands from our captain. So we're all in this thing together. We're all on the same level, just trying to listen to the voice of God and be obedient to that. And so what I wanna encourage you this morning is just pray for the leadership. Pray for the pastors and the leadership teams as they seek to hear out what the captain of the ship is speaking. Because truthfully, as a servant of Christ, my responsibility, every other pastor's responsibility across this country is to not necessarily try to make you happy, but to simply be faithful to the voice of the master to be faithful to the captain of the ship. And so the way we're gonna end this morning is is gonna be outside the box, it's gonna be different. And now look, I know you just heard me say when we end, and some of you probably already got up and took your mouse and got ready to close this out, but here's the most important part of the day, because this right now is when we as the church get to be the church, the global church. And so I'm gonna ask you to be interacting with me right now. Maybe you're watching on Facebook, we're gonna do this very much like we do the, the pray for that it'll be, what we'll be doing tomorrow night is in the comment section. I want you to go right now in that comment section and maybe God places a local church, church's name on your heart. I want you to go and put that local church's name in that comment. You don't have to be the, a member of there. It can just be something that God's revealing to you. Or maybe God has laid a specific pastor or maybe God has laid a specific elder or a, a deacon on your heart or whatever the leadership model of that church looks like, I wanna simply ask you right now to go and put that in the comments below on Facebook, just so that we can acknowledge that we are taking all of these people's names to the throne room of God. We're taking all of these churches name to the throne room of God. And we are praying that God is going to speak what the next upcoming weeks and months look like for that local body. And so this is the church being the church. This is the church praying for the global church. And so what we're gonna do right now is the band's gonna start to just sort of play in the background to, so it's not as awkwardly solid as home as it, as it might be, but we're just gonna give you an opportunity to pray for that name that God placed on your heart, for that church's name, for that leader's name. And I just simply want you as your family to gather together or maybe you're by yourself and you pray for whoever it is that God placed on your heart. And when we begin praying, I'm just gonna be silent And I'm gonna let you pray and then I'm gonna close us out in prayer. And then we're gonna go into one more worship song and then I'm gonna meet you in the lobby in just a moment after this, this, this time of prayer is over or after this time of worship is over. So right now, I want you to just simply begin to have a conversation with God and pray for that church or pray for that leader that God has placed on your heart right now. God, right now, as we come to you as the Big C Church. Lord, I am praying that in the next upcoming weeks and months, God, that your voice is going to be speaking so clearly to every local assembly that you have put together on this earth. And so God, as every pastor begins to seek your face, as every leadership team begins to seek your direction, God, I pray that your voice is going to be so clear. And God, when you speak, that each leader, God, that each staff member, God would be obedient to that voice And so God, I'm praying for your discernment. Lord, I'm praying for your direction. Because God, nobody wants to be on a campus more than the leadership of that local body. But God, we've gotta wait on your voice to speak. We've gotta wait on your voice to give direction. So God, today, as we bring many names, many church names, many pastor's names, God, to your throne today, Lord, we pray that you would give direction to each one. God, we right now in this moment, we pray for Pleasant Hill. God, we pray for Chestnut Mountain Presbyterian. God, we pray for Northside. God, we pray for Free Chapel. God, we pray for Hopewell. God, we pray for Concord. God, we pray for friendship. God, we pray for Oak Grove. God, we pray right now that your spirit would be leading, that you would be directing, that you would be guiding. But more importantly, Lord, I pray for those leaders right now to be surrendered to that voice. God, let them block out all of the voices of the other servants or the other under rowers that are on their right and their left. And God, let them be hearing your voice. And God, then when you speak, Lord, let us act on it. And so God, right now, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we praise you for who you are, God, as the church continues to paddle forward. We thank you that you are the captain of the ship and that you see what's coming. You see the dangers, you see the direction, you see the storms. And God, our job is to listen to your voice in the midst of that. And that we paddle when you say paddle and we rest when you say rest. And God, we're gonna praise you because God, the day's coming when we're gonna cross over on that absolutely dry land. So God, we thank you for who you are. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.